All right, guys. Our next guest is having a tremendous year with Sid Kickboxing going strong with fighters such as Israel Adesanya, Alex Volkanovsky, Brad Riddell, Dan Hooker, Shane Young, Kai Kyle France, and now Carlos Olberg adding his name to the UFC roster after a successful win on Dana White's Contender Series. And the man behind them all, Eugene Berriman. Welcome back to Submission Radio. How are you, man? Thanks for joining us. One of the men behind them all, yep. Thanks for the intro, guys. Good to uh, be back. It's been a little while. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, it's a real honor to have you on the show, Eugene. We know how busy you are. So many great fighters over there at City Kickboxing. Um, despite this great success that the boys had in Vegas, Carlos, Brad, and Israel are currently stranded in the States. Their return to New Zealand has been heavily delayed. For those who don't know, what exactly happened? And uh, does this have any effect on the preparations that are going on at the gym? Um, so what exactly happened is, is they fell into a funny place where they booked the the flight to the States or the UFC booked the flight to the States and back again outside of the time where this new voucher system came in. With this new voucher system, you need a voucher on the same that that allows you to come into the country on the same day as your flight. So um, the UFC wasn't aware of the system and we weren't aware of the system the system came in while we were actually in fight island and we just got caught out a little bit to be honest and um unfortunately there's not vouchers of there were no vouchers available to come into the country until the 11th of december so mm. and, and um <clears throat> in terms of the preparation now it's still they're going to be back with still plenty of time for us to prepare for any upcoming fights. Um, if anything, at the moment, it's kind of at the moment where you know they're uh, at a, at, a, at one of the best jujitsu clubs in the world, um, training their ass off, which is probably something they wouldn't be doing if they were back home. They'd probably be a little bit more on holiday mode, so to speak. So, if anything, it's probably helping us a little bit. <laughs> Okay, that's good. And I, I know you were in the Team Far t-shirt because Israel was supposed to be helping uh, Junior Far prepare for his fight, yeah. but then that got delayed. It was supposed to be next month. Now it's going to be happening, I think, early next year. So didn't didn't really screw up those plans either, right? Well, yeah. Was, uh, obviously, that wasn't our intention, but, um, yeah, we, we, we suffered an injury, and um, it's kind of all going to work out. Um, I do think the I'm not sure of the junior far date, but I, I possibly think there might be a clash of dates. But it is what it is. Um, we just want to get um, the fights. You know, we want to get these fights up and going. Mm. When you when you say clash of dates, what do you mean between junior and then between Israel's fight with Jan? Oh, between um, yeah, between junior and said UFC fight with certain UFC fighters. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what, what do you mean, said UFC? I feel like everybody expects that fight to be next. Could, could it not be next, potentially? When, when could it even happen? I got a few of them, right? So it could be any one of them. Mm. Which few? <laughs> Which ones? <laughs> it's a guessing game that we're going to play. Yes. <laughs> uh, look, look uh, there's obviously a pay-per-view in March. Um, we prefer that we want the yarn fight as early as we can. He keeps harping on about March, so we just, at the moment, we don't know which way that's going to swing. So it's still, um, 
so that's still all in, in the works. Mm. When you, when you say early, how, how early is early for you guys? When do you guys want the fight to happen? Uh, like February, mm. early, earliest date in February or any time in February. Given, I mean, that, given that Israel's won't be back till, um, you know, the end of December because he gets into the country on the 11th of December, but then he's got to do a two week quarantine in a hotel. So you can add another two weeks to that. You're basically getting out on Christmas day. So, um, Given that he's he'll he'll already be super fit because he's doing a lot of training over there. Yeah, February. It's interesting because you aren't talking about that. Hey, if you guys aren't ready for March, maybe Glover Teixeira is going to be the next guy to get to the crack of this belt. And I'm curious: um, is this yarn thing a hundred percent for you guys, or if this timing doesn't quite work out, uh, could could it be potentially open to maybe even going back down middleweight and fighting a guy like Robert Whitaker in the interim? if it doesn't work out timeline-wise? Or is the goal set on Jan? Is he absolutely the next guy you guys really want? No, the crosshairs are on Jan. Like, um, yeah, I mean, no. Robert Whitaker may as well be <laughs> outside of the scope. He's, he's <laughs> not even, yeah, he's not even anywhere near the crosshairs. So, like, yeah, we're not even mentioning that name. All our focus is on the, the Blackowitz uh, fight. At the moment, the battle that's going on is not between the two fighters. It's between um, the management teams of, of the of the of both fighters and the UFC. But that's the battle going on now. So we just um, knock off, knock off these battles as they come, and then slowly we'll get there. But yeah. I mean, Jan's Jan wants March, so he's you know he's posturing for that March. So of course. When you come out and say things like that uh, publicly on public record on social media and stuff, it's it's all part of the strategy to put you in a position to take the fight at a certain date that you want it. But ultimately, there's two champions involved, and so they both have just as equal right to what day that they want to fight. It has to work for both of them, and and ultimately, uh, both these guys work for a company, and then that company decides when you fight. So. There's a lot of different factors that decide when this fight happens. Absolutely. Let's just quickly talk about the fight for a second. I mean, Jan now the champion in the division. But apart from the fact that he's got the title, what is it about this fight that kind of excites you guys so much about this next matchup? Are there, is there anything specifically about Jan where you're excited to see how you guys can go in there and sort of take on some of those aspects in the octagon? Yeah, I mean, what excites me, okay, what excites me is just the challenge of uh, of, of a great fighter like Jan, um, the, ch- the challenge of uh, going up a weight division, just 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 the whole challenge of trying to take on a, a task like that, another another monumental task that I'm sure there are going to be a lot of people that are going to stack the chips against us. But um, it's, like, very motivating when you get a challenge like this. It's very easy to uh, pick myself up and pick my fighter up and pick my team up because um, because of the enormity and the challenge. Like, it's Jan's a, Jan's a absolute um, monster, like, but... But this is what we do. Like we slay monsters. That's that's <laughs> what we're that, that's what we do for a living. 
So yeah, that that's what excites me for Israel. Um, it's very much the same. Um, there's some probably some extra motivation there to go up to light heavyweight, um, to set up, uh, you know, some future fights for him. And but for me, it's purely about that. When 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 did this fight sort of first pop up on your radar? <clears throat> the day after we finished the last fight. So straight away, you guys were already had your sights on on Jan. We met, we, um, me, Ash, and um, uh, Tim Simpson met um, <clears throat> met McMaynard down in the restaurant. We, we said we want to chat with you about something. Uh, we let him know, you know, what we want to do, and then he was very receptive to it, and then it just pushed its way through um, to where it is now from there. It's interesting because when it comes to Jan, John Jones, he wasn't really willing to fight him. Um, he had some close fights, obviously, with Thiago Santos, Dominic Reyes. And with Jan, I guess he didn't really have much interest in fighting a guy like him. A lot of people, they wonder if Jan would have been the guy to actually get give John Jones that first loss. Um, you guys have been sort of looking at his skills and what he brings to the table. Do you believe that Jan could have been that guy to beat John Jones? Um... I believe he would have had a very good chance, like based on um, John's recent performances. But um, you know, John's a difficult task for anybody. Like, that's a very difficult thing for me to sit here and say. But I definitely believe he had a chance based on his um, recent performances against um, Thiago and then um, the other light heavyweight he just beat. I forgot his name. Mm, Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes. Um, yeah. He definitely would have had a chance, but it's hard, It's so hard to uh, say that and go against someone who's who's uh, who's so good. Yeah, he's had an incredible run, and he's had a little bit of a thing where like guys like Luke Rockhold and some of his other opponents have almost kind of like overlooked him a little bit. You know, I thought it would be an easier fight than it really was. Thought it would be a little bit different in there than what it really was. And I remember he was on the show not long after he won the title and he was telling us that, hey, people think it's a certain kind of way when they look at this matchup. When they go in the octagon with me, it feels a lot different to what they imagine it would be. Um, what Do you believe he's a guy that's been a little bit overlooked by his opponents? And do you see those kind of factors that he's talking about that people haven't really been able to pick up on when they go into these matchups with him? Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> You know, he's a guy that, he, he, what he is, is the type of guy that when you're watching him fight from a distance, um, either from, uh, you know, 50 metres away or 100 metres away in a stadium or or uh, through a television screen, yeah. um, he doesn't give you a true indication of how good he is. In fact, it probably paints a really unrealistic picture of how good he is. I believe when you get in there with him is when you understand, um, you know, just how uh, explosive he is and how how also a little bit awkward he is um, because that's a key reason why he's able to give a lot of these people, uh, a lot of these guys a lot of trouble. And you don't truly understand that till you get in there, and I think it's easy. It's it, it's very easy to watch him and underestimate him. Um, but obviously, you know, 
my team, my team may be um, new, so to speak, in the UFC, like the last four or five years or whatever. But we've been around. My team is one of the most experienced coaching teams in the sport, in combat sport, <laughs> in the world. Uh, you know, before we met to the UFC, you got you're talking about twenty years of coaching and cornering fighters before we got into the UFC. We're not going to fall, um, <clears throat> you know. We're not going to fall for some something as uh, amateurish as underestimating someone based on their performance. Um, you know, from watching their performances on the TV screen, it's something that we just. It's just not within us to do that. Mm. It, it's amazing to see how long you guys have been around and to only sort of, you know, now be finally getting the credit that you guys are deserved. So it's, mm. and it, it is very well deserved. I am wondering, how does Yarn compare to, say, Israel's past challenges at middleweight? Is it is it in a way as simple as, well, he's a bigger guy in a bigger division, therefore he's a bigger challenge? Do you guys see it that way or do you see it differently? Let me paint a picture for you, um, which is a very interesting picture, which is like, <clears throat> I don't have to hide this because this is public information, but <clears throat> at one stage, um, a lot of people's opinion um, in the kickboxing world um, had Israel and a guy called Artem Levin as the top two pound for pound fighters in the world for for a long time, these two guys were um, phenomenal strikers, and Israel was, you know, he was one of the best strikers at middleweight, at any weight in kickboxing. If you look at his record, it, it's he's he. You can count on one hand the number of times he he lost. There's one commonality amongst a lot of those opponents that he had, and they all had a size advantage. You're talking about uh, Philippe Verlinden, um, Alex Pereira. You're talking about a boxer called um, Daniel Aman. There's one common thing against all these opponents that managed to get a win over Israel as they were all bigger than him. And that's the challenge. Like that's the challenge we're facing. It's it's more than just it's more than just being bigger. It's it's a lifetime of fighting people who you have a, a, a height and reach advantage over. And then all of a sudden you don't have those same advantages. It's overcoming that. That's that's gonna be the key to this fight. That's gonna be the challenge. That's what makes it interesting for Israel interesting for me and my coaching team is we're jumping into a place where we haven't been particularly successful and we're looking to turn that around and we're looking to prove not to anybody else we're looking to prove to ourselves that we can overcome a challenge like this mm. and also the other aspect of it is of course he's the champion and middleweight so a lot of guys will move up stay up whereas he's got plans to go up down all around and one of the things i wanted to ask you about was when israel was on the show last he was talking about you know this thought in his mind that when he does match up with john jones it could be at heavyweight i know we had coach winkle john uh, john's coach on the other week 
he was talking about that they have no plans and going down to 205. I'm curious, huge. Do you think uh, Israel becoming the light heavyweight champion would sort of lure John back to the 205 division? Or do you really believe that this fight would have to take place at heavyweight if that's what has to happen at that point? Um, look, Israel... Look, that the, the the two the two fighters you're talking about they have they have very different mindsets. Like that's like the first thing that's obvious. Um, John Jones hasn't moved up. Um, you know he hasn't done anything about. He hasn't talked about moving up. He hasn't wanted to move up for a decade. Like Israel approaches the sport very differently to John Jones. They uh, Israel is a real. Um, advocate for um like supreme martial arts being you know extremely good to the point where size and weight doesn't matter he believes in that he believes in that concept he believes in that theory he believes that that at the end of the day when when you know when all the chips fall it'll be skills that will win over um size and strength um Something John Jones obviously has, you know, he he doesn't have that inside himself, which is why he's waited so long to move up. But Israel's Israel's a different case. He he, he wants to go and test out his skills against a a, a much uh, bigger human being because he believes in them. So. Yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, but... <laughs> no, no, it was great, because one of the things I was thinking about is, um, do you believe that John Jones and his team think that, hey, fighting Israel at heavyweight maybe stacks the chips more on our side than if we fought him at light heavyweight? Well, maybe it, well, maybe it does, but... <clears throat> yeah, but that's not... That's the difference between the two athletes there, is that... <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of differences, but <laughs> Israel, at the end of the day, believes in himself and his skills more than John does. Um, that's why Israel's willing to do this after only being in the UFC for a couple of years, because he just believes in himself, he believes in his skills. So he's willing to take risks that um, John just simply was never willing to take. Do you feel like that's also one of the reasons why there's a difference in, in the way they manage moving up in weight? Like John Jones recently hit 240 pounds. He's trying to pack on the weight, the size, the strength to go up to heavyweight. Whereas I feel like uh, with Israel, every time you talk to him, he shoots down the notion of gaining weight, gaining size to move up a division. Um, is that kind of partly one of the reasons why Israel is uh, you know reluctant to gain any size? Because I guess for him, it's, it's the speed advantage, but also he wants to just be the better man, not the bigger man. I mean, you hit you hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, it's 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 a careful balance. And these guys, look, you know, John Jones and Israel, they make a lot of money. They can afford to get some of the best people working with them and advise them and take them in the right direction that they need to go to put on weight. But at the end of the day, um, <clears throat> it comes back to exactly what I keep harping on about. Israel's supremely confident in his skills. The reason he comes out, goes out there and says, it doesn't matter where John Jones uh, sits, where he puts his weight, 
um, it's not going to matter. And Israel believes that he can beat John Jones, and so and, and weight is like a, a very small factor in, the, in 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 that decision. So that's where it all comes from. He's just supremely confident that his skills, regardless of what weight John Jones is, um, will be triumphant at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I can't understate uh, just how excited I am for that fight, and I, I truly believe it may be one of, if not the biggest fights of 2021, assuming it happens. Uh, but speaking of big fights, big magnitude, you don't need to fight with your old rusty razor and or shaver anymore because Manscaped are giving you the best personal grooming device in the world the lawnmower 3.0 you can shave anywhere 7000 rpm it's got an led light it will not cut you and it is waterproof and it lasts for up to 90 minutes you can groom any part of your body and make your balls silky smooth and they're giving away an awesome discount code if you use the code submission you get 20 percent off isn't that right dennis that's right, man. Listen, don't move up and wait because of your dick stash. Get rid of it. Get on top of it. Use the Manscaped trimmer. And also, just quickly, uh, whack off and style with the weed whacker as well. And before you say anything, that is a nice trimmer. Do the job properly. Be a hairless, wonderful man over the summer here in Australia. And use our code submission at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping now. That's right. Just like moving up in weight, uh, you got to be streamlined. And nothing's more streamlined than being hairless. Also, speaking of streamline, if you ever want to download stuff or watch stuff uh, on streaming devices or streaming networks like Netflix or Hulu or Disney+, and maybe your favorite show isn't on in your region of the world and you wish, man, if only I lived in another part of the world so I could watch you know, my favorite show, you can now with a VPN. You simply change your location and that way you browse the internet safely and pure vpn our good friends are giving away some excellent deals you can go the five year special which is just one dollar 48 a month which is 86 percent off which is a massive saving and if you use the code submission you get an extra 10 percent off you can also go a one-year deal for four dollars 16 a month which is 62 percent off or you can just go monthly at ten dollars 95 Either way, use the code submission and get 10% off the final price with Pure VPN. Listen, you don't have to be Gene Hackman sitting in a cage, an enemy of the state, trying to access Netflix in America. Jump onto our deal right now, purevpn.com forward slash submission, and get that extra 10% off, which gives you a crazy amount of savings depending on what plan you go with. That's purevpn.com forward slash submission. But Yuge, I'm just wondering, from your perspective, if you had to look at the weight class that holds Israel's future. I mean, we're looking at this massive fight with Jan, which is going to be so exciting for everybody to watch and a huge milestone for Australasian MMA. And then after that, I mean, it just seems like a no-brainer to do this fight with John Jones. So would you say it'll be a little bit of time before he goes back to middleweight? I mean, you mentioned it before, Robert Whitaker's not even in the discussion. Would it, would, does Israel's future kind of sit at that light heavyweight, possibly even heavyweight uh, zone into 2021? As you can see, I haven't thought much about this exact question. So <laughs> thinking about this, um, but this is coming from a man that does uh, plans for his fighters for years ahead of time. This is, this is taken <laughs> us by surprise. Look, I tell you what, like the 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 young Blackwood fight wasn't in the plans for the near future, so. So that was a bit of a curveball. 
uh, founded me by Israel and other members of our team. Um, so uh, that's what I mean. As much planning, as, as much meticulous planning as I do, um, you also have to be ready at the drop of a dime to adapt. To adapt. Um, that's a damn good question. That's a damn good question to which I don't honestly have an answer. Mm. I don't honestly have an answer because if Israel is true to his word, and, I, and I'm sure he will be, and he doesn't try to pack on the pounds um, like John Jones is doing to move to heavyweight, then it's very possible that he can um, quite easily slide between two divisions. That, that is quite possible. And then which division do I think he's um, more likely to kind of like, you know, draw a line in the sand in or put his foot down in? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's going to be up to him and, and what interests him. At the moment, you know, Israel's in a funny place where he's not in a funny place. He's in a place that he earned where he gets to decide what's going on. Like, you know, this when you get to reach a certain level, you bring in a certain, you know, you bring something to the table, you get to decide what's going on. Israel's in that position. So I'm really not sure which way he's going to swing. At the end of the day, it's going to be what interests him the most. Like, it's going to be what motivates him and interests him the most. And I'm not sure. I haven't discussed with him whether that's uh, middleweight or light heavyweight, to be honest. It's fascinating because, you know, when people talk about legacy, they talk about fighters. It's like, oh, he was the greatest, you know, middleweight of all time or lightweight or whatever. And, and if, if Israel stays a light heavyweight, it'll be interesting to see how his legacy pans out. Imagine being mm. potentially the greatest light heavyweight of all time as opposed to the best middleweight. So it all, it all gets very interesting. But you mentioned it that, you know, he is going to do whatever interests him the most. And, you know, this John Jones fight has sort of been looming over over Israel and, and you know, CKB as the, as the fight to make, could this be the next fight after Yar potentially, if if the if everything <clears throat> sort of aligns? Not to look past Yarn. Yeah, yeah, definitely not to look past Yarn. I mean, to quickly just answer this question, yeah, I, I believe this, if, if, if the stars align, uh, given that I think John Jones is going to have a fight and Israel is going to have a fight, then, um, then we could see that fight as the next fight. Um, <clears throat> and then there's a whole lot of other questions that are obviously going to come into play, like which weight division it'll be at, all the rest of it, blah, blah, blah. But the only person that's ever shown a pension for moving around weight divisions has been Israel, right? And then, of course, John Jones being who he is is followed in Israel's footsteps, which is funny because he's meant to be the guy that's already established himself there. But he's just, Israel's got that guy um, <coughs> dancing to the beat of whatever Israel's rhythm he puts out. <laughs> and we'll, we have to talk about you, though, Coach, because Eugene Behrman has had one crazy year for 2020, flying all over the world, quarantined, quarantine, and with some of the biggest world-class fighters in the world training in your gym obviously historic for australasian mma combat sports boxing uh, we even had john jones's coach mike winkle john on just a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about how impressed he is with what you guys have done with your fighters and how great the coaching uh squad is at ckb break it down for us man you just have one huge fight 
after another huge fight. And not only that, you're balancing these fights all over the world. You're spreading out coaches, figuring out who goes where. So many stars in one gym, so many massive things on the line. How have you been able to cope for 2020? And how are you feeling right now as we're nearing the end of it? We imagine it. Is this one of the craziest years in your coaching history, would you say? or One of the craziest years of my life, not just my coaching history. Yeah. Like, and I'm sure that, you know, this crazy year, that theme can be resonated amongst so many people this year with the with COVID and stuff. But it's 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 been a crazy year. But I've enjoyed at the moment. I have a bit of time off, and I've really just enjoyed not having a fight on the immediate horizon. One thing I've been doing is going and paying a lot of attention to like the local scene and some of the local fights. And I've really got some true inspiration from attending those fights. Um, people don't understand, like, that environment, that UFC environment, uh, whether you're boxing, you're, you're in the top promotions in the boxing or kickboxing, mm. like, that environment is cutthroat. It's ruthless. It's You're living on the edge the whole time. You constantly, you can, you can, cut, the, you can cut the air with a knife constantly. There's no, there's no accord given. Like, there's no friends, you know. You, 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 there's a, there's a friendliness amongst the coaches and the teams, but it's not real. It's not real <laughs> because you know that you, that you know, and in two months time, that that team you're being friendly with could be your number one enemy in, in a couple months time. So like, it's a ruthless environment. When you start involving uh, the e economics that is involved with the UFC and the money and it's just it's absolutely cutthroat and it's good to it's good to get away from that sometimes and come back to martial arts the local martial arts where there's still a code okay because in professionalism that code gets lost and it's good to come back to the local scene where there's still a code amongst trainers a code amongst fighters and it hasn't been lost in all the res matez and the, and the hmm. money and all the rest of it and that's that's what i'm enjoying at the moment and uh uh, you know, eventually I'll, I'll I'll be here too long and I'll miss the pressure, the pressure cooker, and I'll get, have to go back to the pressure cooker. But for now, I'm I'm feeling fantastic um, right here in Little Old New Zealand. <laughs> you say Little Old New Zealand, but I mean one of the reasons why we love having you on the program is everybody says Eugene Behrman, one of the most interesting guys in combat sports. Eugene Behrman, we love to hear his thoughts and everything. He's such an honest guy. And even though you don't have any social media, I feel like you've become a bit of a celebrity over there. I know you rarely leave the gym. I'm curious, how do you navigate that? I mean, you go to the local fights. We imagine it's quite different to the experience you had before before you guys took over the UFC. What, what's it like to you when you have all these young fighters coming up to you, all these people trying to buy you drinks, all these people trying to get to know you more, all these people trying to, I suppose, also attach their wagon to what you're doing, trying to get in the gym now? It must be a pretty surreal experience whenever you go to these events or even walk the streets of New Zealand sometimes. Um, Was that some, some, some of the fans there? I've got a fan here. Hey. <laughs> oh, the man himself. Look at that. Wow. That's the junior far here. Yeah. He's a big uh, MMA fan and, and, and uh, <laughs> he, he watches your guys show. He watches all the media to do with um, MMA media. So he's seen me and Israel on your guys show. So what an honor. What an honor from, from a cameo from the man himself. 
We'll have to have the man on for a proper interview, but something tells me he's got a bright future in boxing. I don't know what it is. It could be that beautiful mustache. I've, I've tried to get him into MMA. I've tried to sway him, but I'll, I'll be honest, he's absolutely terrible. <laughs> Good luck against Joseph Parker, Jr. Thank you. Yeah, there he is. So you've done, you, you've dodged the question. Celebrity life, uh, fast cars, and ever no, faster, look, I, faster look, women. Eugene, how do you I, handle I, it? I, look, I'm very any any recognition I get in public and stuff. Which, which to be honest, uh, I'm not a big person. I don't go out in public and stuff much. I just, but anything I get, I accept uh, graciously. Like I'm very uh, humbled if people uh, recognize the hard work that the guys are doing, the hard work that me and my team are, uh, are going. I'm very gracious. I definitely go out of my way to thank them for their support and, and give them a photo. Um, and I'm just, I'm very happy that the sport is in a place where that happens now because uh, I come from another place where the sport was uh, in the doldrums and to see where it is now makes me happy. So doesn't really affected me personally uh, for me it's just a, 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 a appreciative uh, photo with a fan or someone buying me a, an orange juice or something uh, I, I, I like it i enjoy it i like it well there you go Our, it is amazing to see what you've done over there in as you say little old new zealand and uh, orange juice on us uh, the next time we see you in person huge uh, i'd love to end it on that note but just quickly before we let you go i want to ask you dan hook is another guy that you know everybody wants to see back in action uh, and i'm curious what you think should be next for dan uh you know the, the division's kind of tied up you got tony and charles Oliveira tied up um obviously connor is fighting dustin who would you like to see for for dan and, and what sort of time frame could we possibly be looking at Conor McGregor wants to do a season. Like, if you want to do a season, you can't just talk about it. Like, your your management team have to get in and actually demand that that season gets done. When when you want to do a season, when you want to fight regularly, like my guys do in New Zealand, you have to you have to line everything up. Okay, you need participants as well. That's the other half of the equation. Dan Hooker will fight anybody any time on the drop of a dime we've proven that let's be a part of conor mcgregor's season tim simpson make it happen wherever you are i'm not sure where you are right now in the world but we would like to fight conor mcgregor maybe not next because he has porio but we are a willing participant if you're going to talk about your season then we will step in and be a part of your season graciously we're happy to do that with respect mm. I know Michael Chandler wants to be on that Conor McGregor uh, card. Is there any chance you guys would be ready for that card, or is it a little bit too soon? I think it's January 23rd. That's probably a bit early for us. <laughs> um, but It takes at least a month to get there from New Zealand, so you're in a deficit already. <laughs> hey, but you never know with Dan. Dan does crazy things. Um, you know, Dan. That's what Dan's known for. So if Dan... If Dan um, decides that he wants to fight on January 23rd. It wouldn't surprise me that he twists my arm and we end up um, fighting someone on that date. Chandler, I'm not sure. Um, he doesn't have a fight, obviously. He doesn't. Nothing Nothing official yet. Yeah. Give him someone. Give him someone. I want to see. I want to see if he's any good. <laughs> it's easy to be good in the B leagues. You know what I'm saying? Give him an A leaguer. Give him someone top tier. Let's see. Let's see. Let's like, let's get him out of the B leagues. 
put him in the A-leagues. Let's see where he's actually at skill-wise. And um, let's let's see. Let's let the world know if um, he's good enough to hang with, you know, in the A-leagues. Well, I'll tell you what. With crowds uh, attending sporting events in Australasia, imagine a big Dan Hooker-Conor McGregor fight in the 2021 season. And by the way, that fight would be tremendous as well. So there's no there's no losing in putting that fight together. But guys, there he is. If, it, if this is in the gym of the year, you've got to be the coach of the year. It's always an honor to speak to Eugene Behrman. He finds time out of his busy schedule. I think you see us more than your family, Eugene. So <laughs> we appreciate the time. Of course, follow them at City Kickboxing. And if you see Eugene Behrman out, make sure to buy him an orange juice. He'll be really nice to you and he'll appreciate it. Thank you so much, Eugene. We appreciate you as always, my friend. Thank you very much, guys. Pleasure.